testimony of what God's been doing. And first off is my husband, Steve. So welcome, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I've got the timer of working anyway. That's good. Uh, I just wanted to encourage people that are having to make big decisions in their lives because uh, Gina and I have faced that over the last 18 months and uh, I'm just going to explain to you what not to do. <laughs> now, you might find this very hard, but sometimes we make mistakes, don't we? And, uh, but God has been good, and that's the great thing about God. He's so gracious and so loving, and uh, sometimes we just forget that so often. And, and all we've got to do is open our scriptures to realise how much he's done for us. So it's a bit surprising that you make silly mistakes, even though that you know all this information. Eighty months ago, the company that I work for decided to close the five service delivery centres around Australia, including Adelaide, and decided on their wisdom to move to North Sydney, which I thought, oh, okay, that's a bit of a strange idea, but that's, that's another story. Um, so I thought very hard about it, and I thought, well, we do four or five years in North Sydney, and we could commute backwards and forwards to Adelaide, and that would work out well. And I had all these plans and ideas, what we're going to do... I've got Gina to start looking on the intranet to look for an apartment around the place and just to make you, even made my hair stand on end. It's on the prices they're charging. And you're looking at $650 a week for a single bedroom apartment. So, anyway, that's a long story. But it's strange that I started making those plans because all along our lives, our lives, not mine, God has been very good to us. Was, uh, just over 40 years ago, I asked Gina to marry me. And that should have never have happened because <laughs> we should... Um, <laughs> we, in, in, the, in the natural, we should never have met each other because we were from different parts of Western Australia. That's where we were. Uh, just having, we just crossed... Uh, God brought our paths to cross each other and the rest is history. We moved from place to place and we actually changed states, which I never thought we would do. And God has put us in the right place at the right time. And looking back now, we can see what God has done for us. We've had our ups and downs and a few sidetracks, but God has been very good to us. So when this decision had to be made, what we're doing in the future, being a planner, I just planned ahead. And I went for the interview and I was successful and they gave me the position. Fortunately for me, God stepped in and got down to the contract part of it and they started mucking around and that's, I won't go into the details of that. So I was a little bit miffed. I came back to Adelaide and I said, oh, I've got to go see my finance guy. And long story short, he said, take the package and leave. <coughs> Which is, oh, what does that mean? And exactly what he said. And then things fell into place. I went to... Um, I've been working in North Sydney since September and commuting between Sydney and Adelaide it drives you nuts after a while. But I was going to do that for five years, which is going to be crazy. But God was good enough and he set, set things up and everything's starting to fall into place. And as a consequence of working since September, I've all finished in the end of April and moved back to Adelaide full-time, which is going to be great. And <coughs> again, so... God has been very good to us in our lives, but don't forget, when you make a hard decision, pray about it, think about it, and be, spend time with God to let him reveal his word to you. 
interesting enough, when uh, someone in our Hope Connect group said, how do you feel about the situation? I said, oh, God will sort it out, and he did. So, so if you have a decision to make, trust in God, and he will look after you. Thank you. Thanks, honey. I'm glad you asked me. Sorry, right, we have had this conversation numerous times. <laughs> okay, Sharon, here you are. Sharon's got something to share with us. Hi, everybody. I just really want to encourage those here this morning. I see there's a lot of people who had their hands up for prayer, but, you know, God is in control of absolutely everything in our lives. And if we can just learn to stand back, trust that, and not be anxious in any situation, God can do amazing things. He has showed me absolute blessing and flavour flavor and flavour in this last um, few weeks. And, um, you know, God can thwart the plans of people too. He can frustrate their plans. So if you've got somebody in your life that is giving you a hard time, God can frustrate their plans. He can turn it all around for your good and his glory. Now, my house has been on the market for about, well, it was on the market for about a year. And I started to get concerned because I kept thinking, oh, Lord, what's going to happen? Are they going to just shift me out? They don't want me here anymore, um, the new people who buy it. and um, Or is the rent going to go up? And I started to have all these concerns. And I felt God very clearly say to me one day, you do not have to worry about anything because I have absolutely everything under my control. You know, God brought the world into being. He controls everything on this earth. And so he holds everything in his hands. And he said to me, you do not have to be concerned. So every single day I would get up and I would pray and I would thank God that whoever bought the house would be the right person for my situation as well. And I just felt this overwhelming peace. And there were so many people that looked at the house. Uh, a lot of people just didn't want a bar of it. They, they loved it, but they just said, no, this is not for me. Eventually, this couple came along who were moving over to Papua New Guinea and going to be working there, and they wanted an investment property. And they looked at it three times. Um, I was sort of unaware of this. And eventually I got a call from the real estate agent saying, Sharon, um, the couple have decided to buy it and nothing is going to change. You can stay there. They want you to stay there and this is the favour of God because I take pride in the way I look after a place. They were so pleased. They said, we want you to stay and we want to do up the place so that it's more comfortable for you to live in um, they have gone to the nth degree. They consult me on everything. Sharon, what would you like? Is this pleasing to you? And I would make a comment about, you know, how the builders could have done this and that when they first built it. And the next day, Peter would come to me and say, Sharon, come up here and have a chat. He says, how about we put in some shade cloth and some blinds to make the deck cooler for you in the summer? Then you can entertain more and you can enjoy it. And so I have felt God say to me, because I still don't know whether I'm going to be moving, you know, in the near future, but he said to me recently, um, I want you to enjoy this now. This has all been for you. And so that's the favour of God. I mean, who, who has a landlord that is that wonderful to you? <laughs> 
it's just absolutely amazing. And so I want to encourage you all, no matter what your circumstances are, God is in control. He holds everything in his hands. It doesn't matter what the situation. He can thwart the plans of people. He can frustrate them. And I believe he did that with the previous lot of people that came through the house. He chose the right people. And I got home the other day and um, Jane was in there painting and, and there's this gorgeous little gold pot of pink rosebuds sitting in this pot with a bow around it and she gave that to me. Now that's favour. And they're going to reimburse me for electricity, for water that they've used. Um, and also Peter said to me secretly, he said, he said, Jane's going to do something special for you too. So, you know, God has brought the most wonderful people along. They're not Christians, but I think she has a belief. So, and that's where I end because my time's up. So be encouraged. Isn't this just the best? I love this. Okay, Althea, tune your ears. <laughs> Thanks, Althea. Tune your ears. Hiya. Um, I've got me beloved with me. I've got me beloved with me. <clears throat> I just want to speak about the um, absolute reliability and beauty and wonder of this. This beautiful, beautiful book. John 10, 10, <clears throat> Jesus, Yeshua, I call him, said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I've known that mentally. And I thought, you look at the situations in the world, you look at Syria, you look at Iraq, you look at oh, almost everywhere, and you think, yeah, the devil is out there stealing, killing, and destroying, and he does it really well. He's had thousands of years practice. However, there's a but in that statement that Jesus made. He said, but I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. Uh, in January, we had a major car accident. Well, the car was written off. I'd call that major. Um, I got out of the car. You're not supposed to do things like that. I didn't know, but there's such like smoke. I'm thinking, oh, it's going to blow up. Too many movies. So I kicks the door open. Two feet. Gets out. Passes out. Anyway. Um, so this is on a very, very quiet road near Flaxley. If you know Flaxley, very quiet. Within moments, I don't know because I was passing out twice, um, a doctor appeared and he checks me. He says, oh, broken neck probably. So, and the nurse, then a nurse appears. So both of us have got medical people looking after us. So you think that's, afterwards you think that's unusual. So the, the paramedic arrives with the ambulance because he throw me in first because of the neck. Well, I wouldn't say throw, gently lift and put me on the trolley and so on. So, um, I was wearing this tiny necklace, which is bent in half. And she says to me, so you've been to Israel. Now, if you want to have a long conversation with me, say the word Israel. <laughs> so this gorgeous little thing stopped me worrying all the way down to Adelaide. I was not conscious of anything. We just talked about Israel. She'd lived there for a year. I said, I've lived there for 13 years. da 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 and it was excellent. I was so I was like, oh. Not, I couldn't move, mind you. I was like, the rest of me was going, uh. <laughs> Internally, I was dancing. So uh, they put me on a trolley. And um, this was bent in half. I don't know how she saw it, because most people don't even notice this. It's got a little bit of Hebrew writing on with my name in Jerusalem's name in Hebrew. Anyway, the, the end put me on the table. Keep saying, you've broken neck. 
And so they, you know, the x-ray thing. So they all flee out the room, which is always a worry to me because they run and they leave you to be x-rayed. So, so I'm, I'm lying there. And all I could, all, the only thing I could do was sing and keep saying his name, which to me is Yeshua, because that's what his mom called him. And as a part of his family, I think I'm entitled to call him Yeshua too. So I had this absolute peace. Eventually, they decided it wasn't broken. It's painful, but it's not broken. It just happened that our immediate neighbors who happened to phone, because we had a load of food in the car, we'd just been doing our weekly shopping at Adelaide Market. So they, I rang them. They happened to be in the city, so they came and took us home. Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good to those who love God. It's true. From this accident, I've learned things about my character I wish I didn't know. God is definitely working on those aspects. <laughs> seven weeks and one day. You wouldn't be laughing if you had to wait seven weeks and one day for a car. You would, you would. Uh, I've experienced amazing love and kindness from people who gave me lifts, brought food. Uh, we were lent a car for about five weeks. Manual bright yellow. It was appalling to look at, but it worked, and I was thankful. Uh, since then, um, I've developed a boldness since last year, since the bereavement, which you heard about before, and the boldness just increased with this because now I had something to talk about. You know, everybody met, oh, well, guess what happened to us? And when people come and work on the houses, I said, look, you notice know, the garage is empty, guess what? So they've all got the story about how good good is. Now, I've, I've gone for 46 seconds, gosh. <clears throat> Many... Proverbs 6.31. Now, this is cracking this. It says, I won't read it because I can't see. <clears throat> if a thief is discovered, he has to restore sevenfold. So I'm thinking, <clears throat> the devil is a legalist. He's good at it. He's got practice. He knows, he knows this very well. And he'll use it against you as he did with Yeshua. And I thought, right, sevenfold. And I added up how much it cost me. You know, because the insurance and various things. Um, I thought, wow, that's a bit of money coming my way. So I'm expecting sevenfold of what was stolen from me with the accident. And I've already decided where it's going. It's going to bless Israel one way and another. So when that money comes in, I'll let you know. It started to come in. Um, for example, the insurance company said, oh, major accident completely new car, which is gorgeous. It's out there. It's beautiful. But I'm not worshipping it. I'm worshipping him because he's given it me. It's just a car. At the end of the day, he is the most important thing in the world in, for eternity, obviously. But the thing is, the insurance commission, the premium's going to go up. So I rang them and said, right, we've got the car's coming. I want to reinsure it. Insure it. It's $100 less than it should be. It's less than what I was paying last year, and it should have gone up. So wait, that one out. God is good. Amen. Okay. Paul and Teresa have got a story and a half for us. No, it's just me this morning. Oh, no, I'm joined by Teresa, which is good. Isn't it great to hear how the English language is supposed to be spoken? Isn't she great? I love it. It's, that's my native tongue. I have to change it to talk to Australians. Um, I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years ago we had a testimony Sunday and I bought in, well me and Therese, we bought in our, what we called our faith board at the time. It was a board we had set up in our bedroom where we'd, we'd pin things to it, we had a word from God and we'd pin these things to it. And what we were really seeking God for was financial breakthrough 
and we were praying and believing God for a house. Financial breakthrough has come through, but, you know, I wanted to share with you this morning that it hasn't just come through because we've asked God for it. Yes, we have asked God for it, but it's taken four years and it's taken four hard, really hard committed years to get where we are now. Um, a few of you have, have uh, shared with us on the journey, you've encouraged us through the journey, you've, sh- you've prayed for us through the journey and we really treasure you and we honour you this morning for that. Um, but we'd just like to say this morning, um, you know, if you're seeking God for something, if you're praying God for it, then faithfulness is the key. It's faithfulness when it, you just can't be faithful. You said, well, Lord, I just, I just, it's being faithful. And many times that we've, We've had to pay things, we've had bills coming in and, and, you know, this is a beautiful lady and she manages to juggle money like I don't know how. But we always gave to God. We always brought a tithe in and when we had extra, we'd tithe extra. We say, Lord, this is, we're not going to worship money, we're going to worship you because you're God of money, you're Lord over money. So we, we didn't worship it and we got by. Praise God we got by. But everything changed for us about 12 months ago. Um, we were still doing the hard, hard yards and um, I had a shoulder injury, a severe shoulder injury and I was putting off this surgery and putting off this surgery and, and umming and ahhing about it and I thought, no, I'm blowing, I'm going to do it, I've got to do this shoulder surgery. So I had the shoulder surgery which, which meant that I had to, I couldn't go back to my full job which is in horticulture which I really love, I, I, I like working, and get my hands dirty and working with the plants. So I was stuck in the office behind a desk and so they just give me this mountain of OH&S stuff to do and... and to do all these risk assessments and whatnot. I said, oh, fair enough, it's a job. So I'm just putting them on the computer in one hand and managed to work through them and they gave me more stuff and more stuff. And that was fine, I coped with that. And then the opportunity come up through uh, June last year. I said it was a course going for a fire prevention officer within council. So would you like to do the course? And I thought, oh, I'm a Denard. And I thought, well, no, I really want to go back to my old job and I still want to get involved in the gardening. But... I guess deliberating and praying about it, uh, I decided to do the course. I went and sat the course, did the course. It was a hard course. It was a tough course. Um, but um, that's now evolved into work within council, which is really sort of stretching me. It's, it's really sort of doing my head in at times. Um, but I recently applied for the full-time position as technical officer, fire prevention at Mount Barker Council. Um, so I got that job. So... That really was our financial breakthrough that we were wanting. It, it, it pays quite a bit of money. It comes with a vehicle as well, so I'm quite happy about that. But I guess the biggest news that's really hit us all and, and really hit the family for six is that um, just before Christmas, uh, Kate and Vickers, everybody know Kate and Vickers? Well, Kate and Vickers just invited us up to their place for tea. So we thought, oh, all right, we don't really know Kate and Vickers really well. We didn't know them too well, so we thought, yeah, we'll go along. Um, and we're just over dinner and over stuff, they were just sharing with us that, um, that Vic has got a posting up to Roxby Downs. He's the new production mining engineer up in Roxby Downs. And they said, we really like someone to look after our house while we're gone. It's a two-year posting up there. Um, and we asked you guys, could you come and look after the house? And we thought, yeah, yeah, no worries. That'd be great. We'd come and look after, love to look after your house. And I guess the conversation sort of twisted because the words were on my lips and it was going to say, how much rent? So I said, look, how much rent are you sort of looking for? And they said, no, free. Free rent. Yeah, free rent. So we're looking after their place. We're treating it as our own house because we really strongly believe that God has given us this house. 
He's going to bless us with this house. He's going to bless Kate and Vickers because they've been obedient. They've listened to, they've heard the word of God. Out of all the people that Kate and Vickers know, God put us on their heart and they are obedient to that calling. And so we're allowed to move into their house and we have done. We've started changing a few things without knocking any walls down as they are, which is good. But um, the question was raised, you know, after two years, um, are you going to come back into Mount Barker or after six months if you don't like living up there? But Kate says, no, it's a two-year contract. We have to start there for two years or else they own, they have to give the company a lot of money back for moving all the gear up there. And I said, well, after two years, he says, no, we won't come back to Mount Barker. We'll go to New South Wales where their family is. And I said, what about the house? What are you going to do with the house? And he said, oh, stay in there as long as you like. Grow old and grey in there if you want to. And praise God, we will. You know, God is, going to, God is going to provide the finance for us to buy that house because it is such, it's, it's, I can't explain it, it's such a home. We moved into our home. And, yeah, I just want to give praise and glory to God this morning because, you know, after doing the tough yards, after pulling your hair out, I was a pulled a lot of hair out, after pulling much hair out, much tears, much pain, much deliberation, much fist-waving at God, much swearing at God, he came through. He is faithful. He is faithful to the end and he is good. Thank you. Thank you. Mate, just very quickly to add to that is just, you know, you all prayed for me before to do with my dad. And you know what? In spite of that, God is good because God doesn't bring sickness. God doesn't bring death. This world does. It's unfortunately the world we live in. So no matter what's going on, God is good. And as somebody said up here before, God does have it in control. Thanks, guys. Are you all feeling really encouraged? Cool. Julie, yay. Thanks, Gina. Now, I've had to write mine down to keep me to five minutes. Thanks, Gina. Now, um, Revelation 12, 11 says that we are overcomers through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of our testimony. So I stand before you as a witness of the power of the blood of Jesus and as someone, uh, I suppose, testifying as someone uh, who, through the faithfulness and grace of God, has come over out of a lengthy emotional um, psychological healing journey. Uh, I'm okay. These are tears of joy. Um, The last two and a half years. And all I can say is hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, The challenging journey started mid-2014 when I suffered a major burnout, a stress breakdown at work. Um, I was a preschool teacher of autistic children. So basically, my nervous system got fried. Um, It was short-circuited because I... Previously, I had through the strength of my will, willed myself on and um, overrode many physical warning signs that were building up to this time because, you know, hey, as a single mum with three teenagers going through their stuff, um, working with severe non-verbal autistic children for over five years and then also many years in leadership roles in ministry, you just sucked it up and you've gone on with it. But God flipped my clipsal safety switch um, and I couldn't will myself on any, any longer. My body shut down, went into meltdown. Its voice was so loud, uh, it just refused to go on. 
I had the sense, though, that God was saying it was a blessing and it was going to be a blessed time. I couldn't see it at that time um, through the absolute emptiness, the depletion, um, the vulnerability, the hypersensitivity, the um, panic attacks and uh, the isolation that I experienced. But the vision that he gave me that I clung to for its outworking was the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he showed me that I was the person in the ditch, battered and bruised and beaten with the life drained out of me. And that he personally carried me to the inn of healing, which was my home. And that he would provide for me. He would nurse my core woundedness um, and pay for this time financially while I was incapacitated. So for six months I was out of action completely. Um, For instance, I recall taking a bite of an apple and just thinking how much energy it took to chew. I couldn't even do that. Uh, Many didn't understand what I was going through. Um, Neither did I. But the majority of the time it was just God and me. What a precious gift. (laughs) That's just pure grace. God used it to deal with the fear of failure, um, religious thinking in me, and to work through a performance orientation mentality that was highlighted as a result. And also to learn about listening to my body, um, to giving it a voice, to self-care and putting in healthy boundaries um, and learning to say no. So the blessings that were divinely orchestrated were um, my psychologist, um, a Christian remedial masseur who was strategic in the process of my healing and he did miraculously provide financially for me right throughout the period. And he also gave me two scriptures to stand on. He gave me um, key worship songs and also two prophetic sermons, one from Pastor Gary and one from Pastor Steve McCracken that were prophetic, that just anchored me. So ever so slowly, ever so steadily but surely, healing came because he was loving me back to life. When I started rehab, both my doctor and my rehab supervisor were quite amazed at the progress that was being made and they were very much made aware that it was all God. So to cut a long story short, with other many God moments, by mid-2016 I was well enough to actually sign off of rehab altogether. Twelve months earlier than normal, hallelujah. It was still a long time for me, but it was, it was truly a day of celebration. It was a new me emerging. It was still a faith walk, however, because I didn't have a job. Uh, um, but God orchestrated somehow, and I'm still amazed, HR to give me a... I'm a teacher, preschool teacher, gave me a job in Term 4 last year. Get that. Knowing that after that term that there was no income over Christmas and no job for prospects for 2017. Um, But miraculously, when I checked with HR just prior to uh, Christmas, they told me that um, my finances were coming um, until January the 24th. I still don't understand it, so I was paid until January the 24th, even though my contract ended in term four. And then on January the 24th, get this, I get a phone call from my first director, my first rehab director, asking me, um, offering me a job for this term. There was continuity right throughout. 
So all I can say is we serve a faithful God and that God is faithful. And I wanted to declare over you that God is faithful to complete the good work that he has started in you. And I'm a living testimony of it. Because for me to stand up here before you this day to share with you from where I was, I was a complete nervous wreck. I couldn't even, uh, coming to church was difficult. That visual was too much for me. I had to put in all my strategies just to calm myself down because that was I was overloaded sensory-wise. So that visual was just too much. But here I am. I'm feeling the healthiest, the strongest, the most energy that I've ever had for many years. And I'm on no medication at all. And this just shows, it displays the power of his love, the power of his grace, the power of his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Welcome back. <laughs> Pastor Shale, you're the lucky last. So let's welcome Shale as he comes to share with us. Thank you. I'm like, I'm like you, Julie. <clears throat> I wrote it down because I didn't want to be too long. I've got four minutes and 51 seconds left. <laughs> Last month, as I went to hospital for major surgery, my daughter Annie prayed, Father, please give Dad an encounter with you. And a day after surgery, I had a dream or a vision, whatever it was, and I saw all these faces, looked like hundreds of faces that were just coming and going right past me all the time. And then there was one that came closer and I was able to see it more distinctly. And it looked like my dad, but I knew it wasn't my dad. It, it looked like me, but I knew it wasn't me. And yet there was this clear family resemblance and then I realized it was Father. Of course I look like him. I'm his son. Created in his image. Being conformed and transformed into his image. And then I heard, Father watches over you with benevolence. I couldn't even talk about this for nearly a week, even to my family. And even now, it still gets me. It had such a profound effect on me to, to think about that. And I thought about what does benevolence mean? It doesn't mean just a, a look of love or, you know, a kind expression. It's always associated with generous action. And I was thinking about that that night. The next morning, there began nearly 24 hours of trauma for me. The doctor decided that I needed to have another pretty common procedure to ensure my safety and to speed my recovery. And I've no doubt that for most people, it's no big deal. They can tolerate it very easily. But for me, in the state that I was in, it just traumatized my whole body. And I pleaded with the doctors, 
silently crying out to God the whole time, please help me, please help me. But I couldn't persuade them to stop the procedure. And so it continued all that afternoon, all through the interminable night. And the next morning I tried once more to persuade the doctor to listen to what my body was telling me and to do what all her training and experience told her not to do. And then suddenly she stopped it. And my body immediately relaxed. My blood pressure went down. And I knew I was getting better. And so later on I asked Father what he was doing while watching over me with benevolence. And I was like, immediately I knew, I understood. I knew that he'd been right there with me in what was happening, but he showed me he was also with that doctor. He was preparing her to make a difficult decision when she came back to check up on me. You know, when we're in difficult circumstances and we pray those desperate prayers, somehow we expect God to make people do whatever we need or whatever we want. But he won't. Because when he created us, he gave us a free will. And he will never violate that free will by making us do something that we won't, don't want to do. And he didn't make the doctor stop that procedure. But in his benevolence towards me, he prepared her to listen to me, to take a risk, to do what she wouldn't normally do. And it was her choice. It wasn't God bulldozing her. And later again I asked, so who were all those other faces? And again, immediately I understood. They were all the people who had ministered to me over the last couple of weeks. They were my family. They were my friends. They were the medical staff, the nurses, the doctors, the, the, the people on the desks, the backroom support people, the pathologist who checked my 16 tissue samples after surgery and rejoiced when every one of them was clear, even though she never met me. God showed me this. It was just incredible. And he was watching over all these people with benevolence while they watched over me. It was an overwhelming encounter for me to know how much Father cares for and loves me and intervenes in my behalf. And he wants you to know this morning too that even though you may not see his face, that you bear the family resemblance because you're his daughter. You're his son. And he watches over you with benevolence. I thank that doctor for listening the next time she came by. We had a great talk. And then as I was discharged and we were walking out down the corridor, I, I met her again and we had a, just a brief conversation and I thanked her. And she just said, you're, you're different. 
And I know that she, along with others in that hospital, had been touched by the kingdom of God. And Annie's prayer had been answered. He's a good, good father. And we are loved by him. That's who we are.